Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecaster here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Wednesday, February 17, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the board today? What do we have on the docket? Early this morning, the market tried to put in a sell. It didn't work. What did they actually do? Let's discuss what actually happened. What were they running a test of? What does it mean going forward? What do we have to look forward to over the next several days? That's the first thing or first series of things that we're going to answer based on the daily chart, based on today's activities, based on what's going on at present on the charts. So the first order of business is the trend is your friend until when? Until she dumps you. The second order of business is, what did they actually do today? In order to see what they actually did, I want to display a different chart. But before I do that, let's just take a look at where the low of the day really was today. The actual number was 389.33. Now that number in and of itself isn't really important, but it's not that far away from a number that is important. I want to show you why. On its face, just looking at the SPY daily chart or any other chart for that matter, you're not going to understand why that price area may be more important. Maybe, just maybe, that price area is a little more important than meets the eye based on the SPY daily chart. Enter S&P E-mini futures chart. Okay, so what do we have here? Well, let's move it over and let's find out where the low of day was on the futures chart. Low of day, 3896.50. What's the significance of that? That particular number, not that much significance. Just a few points above that is 2900. Why is that important? Because it's a big fat round number. We talk about them all the time inside the numbers. In fact, this morning, and you'll see this in a little while, inside the numbers, we zeroed in on that price zone. We said they could come up short, they could spike it by a few, but generally speaking, there's going to be a bull bear battle around the big fat round number. So then what we do is we translate the S&P E-mini futures number to the SPY number. And that number happened to be 389.70, which you'll see inside the numbers. And there it is on the daily chart, 389.70, not that far away from low of day. Couple of other things that we want to have as an awareness, couple of other things we want to mention. A, it's hard to kill a bull. By the dip crowd was alive and well today. One day they will get a series of pies in the face. It wasn't today. Something else to note, this is also options expiration week. It's the regular trading type options. The third Friday of the month is when the regular way options expire. Now, I'm aware there are weekly options. There are bi-weekly options. I think there may have been, we've got weekly options. We've got daily options. Who even knows what kind of options we have anymore? There are options for the options for the options. It's their way, meaning they. Who's they? It's their way, the big institutions, the people who get paid for fees, who pays the fees, you and me. So the companies that are the trading platforms, the more options they put out there, the more they attract the smaller investor. Weekly options, bi-weekly options, e-mini futures, now we have the micro futures. 
It's just part and parcel to the business we're in today. It is what it is. It was just worth a mention. Can we have, and we talked about this yesterday, can we have a melt-up, a further melt-up, a blow-off top? Can we go higher? Can they reach 4,000 in the S&P? Can they reach 400 in the SPY? And the answer is absolutely. It's options expiration. Who's to say? That we won't wake up on Thursday morning or Friday morning or something like that and have the S&P up 40 or 50 handles. The closer you get to the big fat round numbers, the more of an attractant they become. They become magnetic. And so therefore, there's nothing to say that won't happen. It's possible. Anything is possible. We're in the zone. We're looking for a top. We talked about the third week in February. We're in that period of time. That doesn't mean the turn has to come on Wednesday of the third week in February. Although this morning, it did look kind of good for a minute there. But we're in the zone. We're looking for a top. We have to have the awareness. We're looking for character change. We're looking for a black swan to emerge. Any and all of the above, we have to be on our toes. And remember this. I think this is probably the most important statement that I repeat over and over again. The market's job is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. That means that more often than not, the market's going to do the thing that it looks like it's not going to do to the unassuming and beginning and novice trader. It's an emotional circle jerk. That's the design of the market. We're going to go on a little soapbox ride for a moment before we get over to Inside the Numbers. So I turned on CNBC this afternoon just to get some material. I do it from time to time. There was nothing going on. I was falling asleep. You know the routine. So what happened was I hear them discussing inflation. So we had a report this morning of PPI, Producer Price Index. What that means is the prices of the stuff that the producers produce went up. That's by definition inflation. They want to make everything seem and appear all complex, but the reality is this. If the prices of stuff that we buy go up, that's inflation. We don't care if there's inflation somewhere else. We care if there's inflation out of our pocket. So the Fed always says they have a target inflation rate of 2%. Fine. What's inflation now? Is it more or less than 2%? Well, it's less than 2%. So you have to scratch your head as just a general person and say, wait a minute for a second. So you're telling me that the Fed has a target of 2% inflation. We have less inflation than that today. So the Fed is trying to raise prices of things we buy, which is going to hurt us in the end because we'll have less money because we'll have to pay more for stuff. So how is that a good thing? There's a whole lot of levers that get pulled in an argument for or against inflation. That's not the point of my soapbox. My point and my objective is to make it the most simplistic explanation that I can. All that matters to you, all that matters to me, is the price of stuff when we're talking about inflation. Are we paying more or less? Are we paying more on a monthly or annual basis to live or less. If we're paying more, it's not good for us. We have less money for us, less disposable income. How's that any good? I urge you to direct your questions on that to the complaint department over at the Fed. 
I think the number is 1-800-CAN'T-FOOL-ME. Let's go over to Inside the Numbers. We'll take a look at the pre-market commentary. We're going to scroll up through the commentary that was posted intraday. Then we'll take a look at stocks on the move. Early in the morning, early, early on, like 6.30 type stuff, it was a wake-up flat kind of day. Then all of a sudden, the market started selling as they got closer to the opening bell. Another thing of note, and this is really the early thoughts, the first thoughts that come to my mind while I've still got sleep in my eye. I take a look at the scanner, what it returned, even that early in the morning, I want to see what's already on the move, what's gapping up or gapping down. And over the last several days, the first number of stocks on that list that are gapping down are stocks that were recently pumped up. Now, that's not that out of the ordinary. Stuff that gets pumped up comes back down. But I'm seeing a pattern. They all got pumped up. They rotated sector to sector to sector. It was the dash for trash. And now I'm seeing the air come out of a lot of them sector by sector, piece by piece. And it's the dash for trash. And then all of a sudden, one day, the dash for trash will be over. And it's all part and parcel to the topping process. That's why I'm discussing it. It's all part of the pump and dump process. This is the dump portion of the pump and dump process doesn't mean that whole scenario is over today. I'm just bringing it to the forefront, giving you something else to think about. Let's see what else we've got in the notes. The early thoughts, not a lot of them as we were quietly floating around in the pre-market. We'll see what else we've got. Nine o'clock, a word about stocks on the move. This happens during earnings season. We still are in earnings season. Just the big boys have all reported, but there's still plenty of companies reporting each and every day. So as such, we get a healthy list on the board. I want to emphasize that we don't have to watch every single stock on the board all day long. All we have to do is focus on the ones that are coming close to our entry targets and the others we can discard until and unless they begin to come close to the entry target. Makes life easy. And by the way, just so you know, even if there's like seven, eight, nine, ten stocks on the list, it's unlikely, rarely ever happens that even more than one is hitting their entry target at the same time. It happens, but it's rare to begin with. Just the way it works, and we're moving along. So here's the 916 post, and this is something we can revert back to yesterday's video. They're doing the thing where the bearish pattern played out. Now, remember I put up the hourly chart yesterday and others, and we talked about the fact that the bearish flaggish thing was going to play out in the southern direction, and if it did, here was a likely target, all that stuff, and that's what it looked like was happening on the chart. That's what, in fact, did happen on the chart. Remember the hourly chart? This is the one. And so you remember the move down and then the wedge portion, the flag portion, and then here's the other move down. That was today. And then we have another wedge forming, and we'll get to that a little later. But that's what they did to run up and fill the gap left open from yesterday's close. While we have the chart up, might as well take a look at a number. You'll see this later inside the numbers, but the high after the low was made today, the high into the end of the day, was 392.66. What you'll see on the board is the gap was at 392.35, but the real resistance was 392.60. It pays to know your numbers.
So further this post, the futures already did the numbers that would deem the pattern discussed last night in the video complete. So in the pre-market, this is like the thieves in the night. Like they do that with the futures overnight. They did it in the pre-market today early on. They basically completed the thing you were waiting on for them to complete, but they did it before the opening bell. So anybody playing the futures may have participated, but those waiting for the SPY or other indices or options or whatever, they get screwed out of the deal. That's the way the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew roll. Now, what's up next? This is beyond the number that we would have been trading to as a target. The big fat round number of ES3900. Now, I prefaced this all a couple of minutes ago, so we've already discussed this. We should expect a bull bear battle just above or just below. And remember, the low of day was about 3896, so that's just below. And SPY 389.70, give or take. So that was the spot that we could expect slightly below or slightly above, but we could expect there to be a bull bear battle around that spot. It's a natural kind of thing. We talk about it all the time. It happens all the time, which is the reason we talk about it all the time. 933 in the driver's seat on Tilray. We'll get back to that when we discuss stocks on the move. So we know we're working with 389.70. So what we have to note is that they have to close candles above. Closing candles below, and this is for the bull case. Closing candles below, and that's a further fumble, and the bears would have lower numbers in mind. Then what you'll see as we scroll up, and what I urge you to do is pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts, and double-check the work. What you're going to see as we scroll up is we had yet again, and we do this often, we identified early on today another pivot. I like to call it a bogey at times. 10.03, for example, they've settled into float mode already. 390.50 is the bogey. If reached on the first hit, should be support. That's on the way down. That's after the low. They come back up. We'll get to the charts in a second. Above, and they're okay. Below, and the sellers will come back out. Now, remember, this is at 10.03, and you know the routine. Here's a five-minute chart right of the vertical is today's activity. So where's 10 o'clock? 10.10. 10.05, this is a five-minute chart, so candle ending, 10.05, here's 10 o'clock. So they weren't at 3.90.50. We're saying 3.90.50 is the bogey. They get to it, they bounce. They get below it, they rally back. They run some tests, and that's the end of it. They never look back. So according to me, candle closes above 3.90.50 is the bogey. You want to see some shenanigans? We've switched over to a 10-minute chart because I want to show you something. How many 10-minute candles did you close below 390.50? And the answer is, early in the morning, one over here. And guess what the close was? 390.49. Any accidents or coincidences? Again, this is just tricking company's way of playing games. But that's okay. I can use and you can use their games to our advantage. While they're playing games with the numbers, what they're doing is confirming that the number is in fact the right number. They run a test of the lows. We switched over to a 15 minute chart. They run a test of the lows. They make a higher low. They get back up to 390.50. They close above and that's the end of it. 390.50 was the pivot. If you used it as a pivot, you were long above or at least not short. And if you were short and it got back above, you covered the trade. It's good to know your numbers. You need to know where the intraday pivot is each and every day.
Let's see what else we've got. We're moving along. As they come down to that area, showtime for the Bulls to play defense or the Bears take the ball. So we know that number was important. And by the way, that candle closed at 390.49. That was an hourly close, so Trick and Company was really out in force. There it is again, 390.50 is the pivot. Now we take the stairs up, closing candles above 391. They'll be in a position to make a run at the highs of day or higher. They did all that. So what you can do again is pause the video, read the notes, read the numbers, go back to the charts, see exactly what happened. Use a bunch of different charts. Use a 5, 10, 15, use a 30, use a 60. See what the market was doing. See what the patterns look like. See what was really going on. See if you can learn stuff. Above the high of day, 391.72, opens the door for the gap. It's not that far away, but that's what was happening. So we put it on the board, 392.35 is the gap. But remember, the resistance, according to the mathematics, is just above at 392.60. Where did they get to? 392.66. Funny how that works. We're moving along. And at this point, you know it was a floater for the majority of the day after they made the low. So you see the notes, you go back to the charts, you double check. Again, pause the video, do the same thing over and over again. It's a rinse and repeat type of exercise if in fact you're interested in learning stuff that happens intraday. Learning from inside the numbers. It is a tour guide type of operation. Stocks on the move, we had a laundry list today. The first two on the board, ACB and Tilray, T-L-R-Y, are the only ones that hit their numbers. A couple of others came close, but they're off the board if they don't get there. Well, let's take a look at the two that hit their numbers. First one up, Tilray. So it's a little bit difficult to see on this chart. It's all compressed here, so let me walk you through what happened. Here's yesterday's close. The close at 1600 hours, 4 p.m. on the 16th. The opening print the following day is a gap lower. What do they do? They come into the number posted on the board bright and early, $30.98. What was low of day? $30.65. And what happened? Just minutes later, they were already at a high over $33. Better than a base hit. Now they gave the base hit and they came back in immediately. So some traders, probably many traders, were stopped out. I will tell you one thing. If you're putting a stop in the system, as soon as you're filled on a trade, you're going to get stopped out. The computers read the stops. They're going to come and get you and then trade away. That's just the way it works. If it ever feels like they came to get you and then rallied away, the reason it feels like that is because that's exactly what happened. So what do I do is the next question. What you do is you have to be prepared. You manually have a stop ready, meaning you know the number. If it hits the number and you want to get out of the trade, you get out of the trade. You don't have to put it in the system. Don't show your numbers to the market makers. Don't show your numbers to the computers that are going to take price to come get your number. That's just the way it works the majority of the time, especially, especially during the morning rush. ACB or Aurora Cannabis, I guess it was pot stock day, Aurora Cannabis came up short in that first candle. Did the same thing, but they didn't hit my number today. 13 was the number. The low was 13.05. Yep, a little bit of a screw job. Immediately, they're already at a high of 13.70. Guess what? 70 cents on a $13 stock is some rip. 
It's more magnified on a five-minute chart. It's not over here. It's over here. Here's the gap down, and here's the come up short, and here's the rip. You want to be in that trade, but guess what? Sometimes you are in that trade when they hit the number and go on a rocket ride. You never know which ones are going on the rocket ride. So after the fact, they come back down, but that trade is over. You don't want it. Not to say it will or won't work. It's just not the same trade. That's what we teach inside the numbers. That's how you have to play it if you're treating it as a business. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Nice little fall today. All of a sudden, home base doesn't seem that far away. So what did they do? We'll just look at the big picture for a second and we'll simplify it. In fact, we'll oversimplify it. What did they do? They came down to fill a gap and bounced away from the gap. That's it. That's a gap. That's a bounce, period. But they did something else that's interesting. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. So get out your sticky note. So there's a breakup candle and there's a breakup candle low. Where is it? Right here. The candle from the 8th of February. The low is 223.40. Now they spiked that low by a lot to fill the gap, but they rallied back to do what? To close above the low of that breakup candle. So from a daily chart perspective for now, until and unless they close below the low of that breakup candle, there's nothing wrong with the IWM. They had a down day. They had a recovery or rescue operation. They closed above an important spot. We move on. We have to see what happens going forward. If they close back below, for example, on Thursday or some other point in time, that's fine. But today, they didn't close below. That's a bullish sign. Put it in the bullish column on the ledger. The IWM was down $1.83 or 8 tenths of 1%, and I'm telling you, that was a bullish move. Doesn't mean they're not going to gap down tomorrow or whatever. I'm just saying, using the 80-20 rule, when they do stuff like that and they rally back to close above an important number, you have to take it at face value. Where's resistance on the IWM from here? 226. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Interestingly enough, because we just talked about a breakup candle and a breakup candle low, you can't help but focus on the same thing when this chart populates. Here's a breakup candle. The low happens to be 12,913 and change. What did they do today? They didn't spike it, but they ran a test of the low and recovered. It's interesting. They're still kind of hanging around the former highs. What are we going to do with that information? We're really just going to move on. They had a test of an important spot, a recovery. We have to wait and see what happens tomorrow. As of today, at face value, there's nothing wrong with the transports. Think in terms of weekly closes. What's going to happen in a couple of days? Are they going to have another weekly closing high? Very possible. Can they get three in a row? Absolutely. I don't mean closing highs three in a row. I mean three big up weeks in a row. You get two up days and you'll have your third week in a row. Just make sure you all have the awareness that when the trend is your friend, anything up north is possible. It's like a gravitational pull. It's the market from the top end pulling price up. That's what an uptrend is doing. You can think of it as the trend is pushing price up, or you can think of it as there's a pull drawing price up. Doesn't really matter how you want to look at it. You get to the same place either way. The financials. Interestingly enough, 
I got a lot of emails today on the financials, the fact that they were up, the fact that if the financials aren't falling apart, can we expect the market to fall apart? That was a question that was posed a number of times, and the answer is, that's correct. If the financials are moving higher, it's unlikely you're going to see the market or the other indices or the Qs or the S&P and other stuff fall apart. It's just unlikely. Again, with the weekly chart, you could see what's going on here. They're pushing into no man's land. From a weekly chart perspective, they're too far from home base. We know that. They'll ultimately come back. But current price is where current price is. We respect the trend. The trend is your friend until she dumps you. The XLF is very strong. A lot of that has to do with interest rates, the money center banks making profit by interest rates rising, flexible rates rise, we pay more in fees, they make more money right to the bottom line. We talked about it last night. It just is what it is. So that's part of the reason why we're seeing the XLF do what it's doing. And by the way, on that interest rate topic, nobody here should be surprised at a rise in interest rates. Even though all the professionals told you and the Fed tells you they're going to keep interest rates low indefinitely and that interest rates will stay low indefinitely, we were talking about the fact that that's unlikely to happen, that we would have likely seen a low in interest rates. And to translate that to the other side, that means lower bond prices over time, higher yields. We've likely seen a generational low in yields, a generational high in the price of bonds. We've talked about that before. We've talked about that months ago. We're going to talk about that again as time goes on. Nothing has changed. What about Smash Mouth? Well, all of a sudden, we have Smash Mouth down 2%. Now, it's in an uptrend above all the moving averages, all that stuff. But when we have divergences, we have to pay attention. So we've got the SMH diverging from other stuff. Okay, fair enough. I know I skipped the Qs. We'll circle back to the Qs. It looks similar to the SMH chart. But the SMH is a pretty good proxy for the tech sector in and of itself. One day doesn't make a trend change. One day doesn't make a market. All that stuff. But we have some divergence. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Same routine with the Qs. It was a down day, half a percent, but not a big deal. Still in an uptrend. So it's just awareness stuff. It's just the fact that we have a down day in the Qs, a down day in the SMH. They tried to push the S&P down. They couldn't do it. The buy the dip crowd won out. And that all is indicative of how the trend is your friend. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. It's everything I wanted to discuss. I'm David Frost. My strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.